All right. What's going on, Faith Church? Good morning, everybody. Hey, it's good to have everyone here in the house. Welcome, welcome. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church. And again, it's a privilege to have you here live. Can we show some love for our Lawrenceburg Faith Church family? Come on. It's good to have you guys in the building in Lawrenceburg. And to all of our guests, our VIPs, if this is your home, man, this is where you're normally at, or this is your first time, man, we just want you to know how excited we are that you decided to be here in person or to join us online. We want you to know, man, we believe that Jesus, come on, he is the hope of the world. We say it every week because we believe it. There's so many challenges and issues that all of us deal with and wrestle through in this world that sometimes is dark and challenging. I just want to encourage you, man, open up your heart. Allow Jesus to meet you where you are. It'll be the greatest decision, come on, that you've ever made. How many people already know that's true? Come on. Well, I'm, uh, I just want to just jump into this. I know we just covered it in the commercials, but as we continue to get back to some level of normalcy, it's important that even as, uh, as a church that we find a new stride in this new season, that we get back to embracing some of the core values that make us the church that we are. There's the capital C church. It's the church all over the world, uh, all congregations, all races, all people, all joining underneath the banner of Jesus. And then there's the local church, the small C and in our community, there's lots and lots of churches, and we're all following the same Jesus. Um, however, there's some things that makes a church a church. It's, it's the way we do things. It's, it's the direction we go. And for us as a church, we believe in four core values, reach, connect, grow, and serve. And so I just want to encourage you again, man, as we get back, I want to encourage you to, to reach your community, reach your workplace, reach your campus. Invite them if nothing else. I, I would encourage you, if you have opportunity, to share your faith. Tell your story. You don't have to have all the theology right, but if you'll tell somebody what Jesus has done for you, that opens up their heart to be hungry for what God can do for them. Come on, somebody. There's something powerful about a personal testimony. There's something compelling about your story and what God has done in your life. And uh, if nothing else, invite them. Just, uh, just be a regular inviter. Be a bringer. Bring people to the house. And uh, not just about reaching. It's about connecting. We are going to get back. We're still doing some things digitally. But our hope is to get back where we're connecting. We don't want you just to show up and sit in a room full of people. We want you to find your crew. Now, we can't always program that. You're going to have to actually, when you get here, we hear this from time to time. It's a very friendly church. Lots of people talk to me. And then we hear this. Well, I showed up and nobody said anything, which is impossible. We have parkers and greeters and ushers and lots of friendly people. But at some point, you have to take an initiative to find your people. If you'll find two or three or four or five great people to do life with, that's what really makes a difference. And so we want to get back to connecting. Again, this week, we're about serving. We think it's important that everybody here find their role, find their place in the body of Christ. And it doesn't have to just happen here on a Sunday morning at all. This is one of the ways that you can serve. But if you can't find your place, allow us to help you to find your place in the body of Christ. We can't do what we do without lots and lots of volunteers serving all over both of our campuses in Lawrenceburg and Florence to make it possible to love and reach people. And, but this week, obviously, Serve Week, it's our, one of the ways we get outside of the building. I want to encourage you, listen, it doesn't take an education, doesn't take experience, doesn't take, listen, anybody of any age can show up and pick some trash up. And you might say, what does that have to do with the kingdom? Well, one, I don't know about you, but I like things neat and clean, and that includes the city I live in. And I think it's important the city we live in see that, we, that we're willing to bend down and pick up a piece of trash. I think that's a testimony to the Jesus we serve, that he was willing to serve and we're willing to serve. Come on. So I want to encourage you to be back here at 1.30 and obviously growing. So uh, those are our core values. We're going to continue to con uh, add momentum to get back and be a growing church I believe God wants us to be. So, well, we're starting a brand new series today. 
Come on, somebody, entitled Mind Mods. Everybody say that, Mind Mods. The word mods is this idea of modifications. We all need to go through in our spiritual journey, we need to go through mind modifications. Some of the ways that you think and I think we shouldn't think, we need to stop thinking. There's some things that we don't think that we should think. Come on. And so the whole purpose of this series is specifically to look at some popular cultural catchphrases about the mind and really to lean into God's word and find out what does God have to say about these topics. And today I think there's no better place to start with this popular cultural catchphrase that I think probably needs to be talked about now as much, if not more than ever. And it's this idea right here, mind your own business. Come on, everybody say, mind your own business. In fact, you might want to just look at somebody beside you and just go on and tell them, say, mind your own business. Come on, tell them, mind, come on, Lawrenceburg, mind your own business. It's the only time you can say it and get away with it because I gave you permission. Go ahead, try it on one more, just try it on one more time. Mind your own business. Feels good, don't it? Mind your own business. Last week as a church, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday. It is the time that as a church, globally, we celebrate and we recognize the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, obviously, his resurrection is not stuck on one Sunday of the year. We celebrate the resurrected Savior each and every day of our lives. We walk in resurrection power. Come on, you're not in this life alone. Paul said, man, if the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that he'll quicken, he'll give your body strength. Let's go, somebody. Is anybody thankful for Jesus? And as you read the story of the Gospels, you find a really interesting story. Obviously, Jesus, it's his story that's the main story. But like lots of great stories, there's all of these little breakout stories, all of these side narratives. And one of the side narratives in the Gospels is not just the main storyline of Jesus, but you can track the storyline of his disciples. And there's lots of things that we can glean and learn by leaning into their story. And one of the key people in the story of Jesus is the Apostle Peter. He was one of the key disciples, one of the primary followers of Jesus. And many of us here at Lawrenceburg, you know the story, right? They didn't anticipate their Messiah, Jesus, being arrested, much less crucified. And so when he was arrested by the Roman Empire, uh, the prophecy was that without the shepherd, the sheep would be scattered. Like, all of a sudden, when, when, when Jesus was arrested by the Roman Empire, the rest of the disciples, the 12 apostles, they panicked and they fled. They were scared of being arrested themselves. They were scared of being crucified themselves. And so literally, they turned their back on Jesus and, their, and they ran. And there's nobody who did this with, with more boldness than Peter himself. In fact, Jesus told him before it even happened, he stood in front of Peter and said, listen, hey, one of you is going to deny me. And Peter said, hey, I don't know about these other suckers, but I'll never deny you. And Jesus said, in fact, you're the one, and not only are you going to deny me, but you're going to deny me three times. And we read the story of Peter, and that's absolutely what happens, is, is he is so intimidated by the crowd and so afraid of being now connected with the one who's been arrested, he denies Jesus not once not twice, but three times, the third time so vehemently that he cusses to a little girl. And so he doesn't want any, he doesn't want any connection to Jesus. He's afraid that this Messiah is dead. And then not one, not two, but three days later, Jesus does exactly what he said he would do, and he walks out of the grave. Come on. And the rumor starts to spread that Jesus is alive. 
And so now can you imagine if you're Peter, if you turned your back on Jesus, if you denied Jesus so vehemently that you had to cuss a little girl to discount being connected or known by him or to him? And now, you, just like many of us, man, when, when we make the wrong decision, when we go the wrong direction, I imagine he felt all kinds of shame and all kinds of condemnation. And Jesus starts to show up. In fact, there's multiple post-resurrection appearances that Jesus makes to different people, crowds of people, one time up to a crowd of 500 people to make sure everybody knew that he was alive. And one of the people that he shows up to is Peter. And he's standing there and he starts having this conversation and he's telling Peter, and I can imagine Peter has his head hung low. He doesn't even want to look at Jesus in the eyes, but come on, how many people know that the God we serve is a God of grace and a God of mercy? And even though he's denied Jesus three times, Jesus wants to confirm his call three times. And so he asks him this question. He says, hey, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He says, then go feed my sheep. And then Jesus says again, do you love me? He says, Jesus, you know I love you. He says, then go feed my sheep. And Jesus asks him a third time, Peter, do you love me? He says, Jesus, you know all things. You know the hearts of men. You know I love you. Yes, I love you. He says, then go and feed my sheep. And sometimes you read that and you think that's Jesus being harsh, like, come on, do you really love me? Because if you really love me, then you wouldn't have abandoned me. Come on, condemnation points out your past, but hope points out your future. And aren't you thankful? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that, that our mistakes don't cancel our call. And what Jesus does in that very moment is he confirms, even though you made mistakes, even though you got off the rails for a minute, even though you went the wrong direction, even though you made some bad decisions, you're still my disciple, you're still my child, and you're still called with a purpose. Come on. And that is true for you today as well. And so in the middle of this, you have to imagine like his, his relationship is restored, his call is confirmed, kind of in a scary way, but Jesus even prophesies that he's going to die in the same way that Jesus died, except, and he does, Peter later is crucified upside down for his stance on his faith. This man who was so afraid that he was denying Jesus stood boldly in the face of persecution and, and his life was taken from him. And so in the midst of all this, like here he is now standing in front of Jesus, like he's, he's put back in place. He knows he's called. He knows God's still going to use him. He knows Jesus still loves him. And then in the middle of all this, the story tells us that John, one of the other apostles, is standing behind Peter and then Peter has the audacity to say this. Hey, uh, thanks for like reaffirming my call and telling me I'm still called. That's great. But hey, what about this joker? Like, what is he going to do? Hey, what about him? Like, I don't know if you know this, Jesus, but I'm not the only one that ran. He ran too. I don't know about me. Like, you're telling me I'm called. Is he still called too? And then you got to love Jesus' response because all the attention's on Peter. Peter turns it and tries to put it on John. And Jesus says this. Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Everybody say that. What is that to you? As for you, you follow me. You know what Jesus is saying? Mind your own business. Come on, somebody. Don't you love a Savior that can look at somebody and say, mind your own business. Don't worry about, don't, you don't need to worry about John. You don't need to worry about him denying me. You don't need to worry about him running from me. You don't need to be worried about his call. You don't need to be worried about what he's supposed to do. Do you know why? Because you got your own business to tend to. Don't worry about his business. You mind your own business. Let's go. I, I read that and I'm like, and I've read this so many times that Jesus himself challenges us with this idea to focus on you. Worry about you. Mind your own business. How many people are excited about, in about two, three months from now, we're going to have a brand new facility up in Lawrenceburg? Is anybody excited about what God's doing, man? I'm so, we're so fired up about that. 
the building, paint is on the wall. It's on its way to being completed. And uh, I'm excited about it. We're excited with the potential that God is going to do great things in Middle Tennessee, already with our Lawrenceburg Faith Church family. We're seeing growth and we're excited to get into a building that's going to seat 500 in our worship center, about 100 kids in the kids center. It's a beautiful facility. If you've not had the chance, I'd encourage you to drive up and check it out. Um, but even though I'm excited and many of you are excited, come on, Lawrenceburg, we know you're excited. I just found out not everybody's excited. <laughs> not everybody's as excited as I am. And the way I know they're not as excited as I am is because there's people that want to make sure that they know they're not excited by posting things on my Facebook page. And we'll post a picture, and it's a beautiful picture of this building there, 26,000-square-foot facility, beautiful, standing on the rising, beautiful white clouds with a blue sky background. I mean, could not be a more picturesque uh, capture of this building, and you have all this hate mail underneath of it. Come on, you got everybody sipping the haterade. <laughs> and people saying things like this. So I'm excited. People say things like this. Do you really need a new building? Why would you build such an expensive building when there are hungry kids in the world? A cafe? What does a cafe have to do with Jesus? Well, I, can't, I can answer that one. I don't know about theologically, but practically, I can worship better when I'm awake. Let's go, somebody. An LED wall? Do you need a $200,000 LED wall to worship Jesus? Thank you. And, every, and, and I, I, I'm just telling you. Come on, haters are going to hate. People are going to have opinions. And so we got, for every, every one negative comment, we got 50 positives. But I'm just going to tell you my perspective as a person is I'm not really celebrating with the people who are celebrating. I'm hating on the people who are hating. And here's my, and my, my wife and I, we just had this conversation. We're reading through. And some of it is other pastors, which is the most, I'm just, I'm just telling you, if you're, other, if you're another pastor, we ought to be celebrating each other, championing each other, encouraging each other. We're in this thing together. But here's what I found out is as I'm reading the hate mail, as I'm reading the negative comments, and we've got negative comments for 10 years. Everything we do here, we've got people hating on what we're doing. Do you need to drop eggs from a helicopter? Do you need to have the Easter bunny? Do you need to, do you need, do you need, do you need? And I've reached the conclusion that my response to that is mind your own business. For real, I'm looking at it and I'm just telling you the truth. I'm like, listen, I don't know you. You don't go here, you don't attend here, you don't serve here, you're not a part of this thing, so mind your own business and let us do what God's called us to do. Is anybody, anybody else tired of people being in your business, tired of being in your business, tired of being in your kids' business, tired of being in your money business, tired of being in your family? Anybody here tired of people being in your business? Before we get too excited, <laughs> let me just let you in on a little secret. The same way you're tired of, and I'm tired of people being in my business, there's people tired of you being in their business. Oh, snap. <laughs> See, it's, the door swings both ways. In fact, this idea of minding your own business is really, you find it a lot of places in Scripture, either in command or in principle. Let me just give you a couple quick examples. In 1 Peter 4.15, listen to this. He says, if you suffer, let me just stop. If you are going to live for Jesus in this world, throughout Scripture, God's Word challenges us and reminds us and calls, you're going to suffer persecution. If you live right in this world, if you're a light in a dark world, people are going to get offended that you're shining a light in their eyes. 
I'm not saying in an offensive way. I mean just living out loud, loving Jesus, making a stand for the living God, making a stand for righteousness, making a stand for holiness. You're going to suffer persecution. That is a part of this walk. So he says, if you're going to suffer, suffer for the right things. But if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer. We, we can check the box there, right? People like I'm doing a dime, three hots and a cot. Some of you don't know the prison lingo. <laughs> he says, he says don't, if you're going to suffer, don't suffer as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal. I think most of us can check most of those boxes. But then notice what he says. He lumps in these three big ones. He says, in fact, if you're going to suffer, don't suffer as a meddler. People are always give me a hard time. Well, some people are giving you a hard time because you're always in their business. And so what Peter himself is saying, because he learned himself, is mind your own business. Here's another one. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. He says, make it your goal. Can we read this together? Come on, Lawrenceburg, Faith Church, Florence. Come on, read this. Make it your goal to live a, which is contrary to people who are popular on social media. Influencers want to be loud and known. God's word says be quiet. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Come on, read it. Minding your own business and working with your own hands just as we instructed you before, which means Paul who wrote this said, I told you this when I'm with you. Now I'm writing this to remind you. Here's another one. You might miss how it connects, but hopefully you'll catch it pretty quick. Joshua 24, 15. Joshua says this. He says, but as for me and my family, come on, somebody. As for me, I can't tell you what you're going to do with your kids. I can't tell you how you're going to run your house. I can't tell you how you're going to spend your money. I can't tell you any of that. But as for me and my house, come on, somebody, we're going to serve the Lord because the only thing that I have control over, the only thing I have authority over, the only thing I have influence over isn't you and yours. It's me and mine. As for me and my house, come on, everyone say it. We will serve the Lord. Now, Here's a challenge. Even though we're, we're commanded this, even though we hear this and there's something in us, you don't have to love Jesus to know this. There's just something right about this call to mind your own business. You don't have to be a Christ follower. You don't have to be a person of faith. Just all of us can get behind this idea like, yeah, I probably need to focus on mine and stay out of yours. But there's something, isn't there something intuitive, intuitive in all of us that as we live life, we just naturally judge people. We naturally put our nose in other people's business. Take a walk through Walmart <laughs> or Target or Publix. Walmart's definitely more fun. Is anybody else, maybe, I, maybe I'm the only hypocrite in the room. We'll get there in a minute. Anybody else pull up to Walmart and then you start having these conversations in your head? Why is he driving that? Why did he paint it that color? Are those antlers on his roof? Who puts antlers? Why in the world would he put antlers in his roof? Why is she riding the cart? If you would walk, you wouldn't have to ride the cart so much. <laughs> really? You going to eat that? Why do they have all that food in their basket? How are they paying for that? Oh, they're on government assistance. Is that a Trump shirt? Racist. Oh, that's a Biden shirt. Communist. <laughs> Why is he with her? Why is she with him? He can, she can definitely do better than that. Why is he wearing that? Why don't she have more clothes on? Does she not see that those are four sizes too small? Come on, does anybody else have these conversations? If that, if that was my kid, I would beat that kid. In fact, that's not my kid, but I'll still beat him if you want me to. 
I know I'm the only person that these thoughts have run through my head. And we judge people based on what they're wearing, how they're looking, how they're living. Do they have a tattoo? How many piercings do they have? How tall they are? How short? Are they too big? Are they too small? Who are they with? What do they look like? What are they driving? How are they spending their money? And you pull all this back, and God's words reminds us, hey, listen, you need to stop worrying about them and theirs, and you need to get back to you and yours. We are called, come on, say it together, to mind your own business. And there's nobody who said it clearer and more concise than Jesus himself when he said these words right here, do not judge others. You know what he says when he says do not judge others? What he's saying is this, to, ju- to be a judge means you think you're in the position that you are over somebody in authority, and what Jesus is saying is don't elevate your opinion over someone else's decision. You may not do it that way. You may not spin it that way. You may not dress that way. You may not live that way, but stop elevating your opinion of what they're doing over their decision of how they're doing it. Don't judge others. And he goes on, he says this, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Now, we're going to get to the next verse in just a minute, but Jesus isn't really saying we won't be judged, because let me just tell you two things. Whether you judge people or not, people are going to judge you. That's just a fact. But what I have found, and I think all of us probably can agree with, Lawrenceburg, I think you probably know this is true, Florence, you know this is true, is we live in an increasingly opinionated culture. Everybody is posturing and gaslighting and signaling. Everybody puts their opinion out on Facebook. Everybody has something to say. And the more opinionated you are, this I have found out in my own life, the more opinionated I am, the more I'm a magnet for other people's opinion. And so I think what Jesus is saying, he's saying you're never going to escape being judged. Because other people are going to judge you whether you judge them or not. But if you are the type of person that you are hypercritical, hyperjudgmental, hyperminding other people's business instead of yours, you're going to draw that same thing from other people. And at the end of the day, we know we're going to be judged because God's word makes it clear all of us are going to stand before God in the day of judgment. If you don't know Jesus, you will stand and you will give an account for your sin. And sin always separates us from a good God. But if you have put your hope in Jesus, which I hope every one of you have, Jesus is the one who forgives us of our sin, who covers us with grace. And we're going to still give an account for our life, but not for our sin. Jesus died for our sin on the cross. What we will give an account for is now how do we live our life as a Christ follower, and we will gain or lose reward in heaven based on how we live this life. Not if you go to heaven, but how you're going to experience heaven. Let's go, somebody. But we're all going to be judged. We're all going to be judged. He says this, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. And he goes on, he says this, For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the same standard by which you will be judged. So I think what he's saying is this. He's saying it's not that that we don't judge. The issue isn't if you do or don't judge. The issue is how you judge. Everybody say how. It's not if you do it, it's how you do it. There's something natural. There's something instinctive. We are people programmed to know right and wrong. Sometimes it's skewed when you don't have a relationship with Christ, but that's always in us. What Jesus is saying is, hey, listen, you need to be careful you don't judge because the more you judge, the more judgment you draw. And if you judge, how you judge other people is going to be the same standard for which you yourself are judged. That's going to be by others and by God himself. I think ultimately what he's saying is this. He's saying, listen, if you're going to be a person to get up in other people's business, he says, make sure that your front Make sure the words out of your mouth, make sure the actions that are coming out are something that's full of grace. 
Because I don't know about you, but when I stand before God, when I serve my life, when I walk out my relationship with Jesus, I need to be a person who's covered with grace. And because I need grace, we need to make sure that other people are being covered with grace. We need to cover with grace. And we don't do this very well. I have found out that I want grace for me and I want judgment for you. Real talk. Is anybody else, I mean, we could, we could talk about this lots of different ways, but especially driving. Is anybody else, especially if you're going to the beach, does anybody else love 65? It's like the Autobahn of Alabama. What is, it, what is the speed limit on it? 70? Whew, yeah, I'm way over that. Anybody else like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a natural... And I find people pass me. Now, here's what's crazy. Anybody else, you think this way? Has anybody else, have you ever been speeding and you know you're breaking the law and, and, you, and you're okay with it and then somebody flies by you're like, you're crazy, they need to slow down. <laughs> so you was okay passing people, but now all of a sudden they, anybody else here, come on, anybody else here ever driving down the road, you're speeding and you pass a cop car and you're like, please don't get a ticket, please don't get a ticket, please don't get a ticket. And, you're, and, like, and then, you, then you praise God, somehow like God lets you off. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> And so you want grace for you speeding. Come on. Has anybody else been driving down there and somebody flies by you? And then you roll up on a cop. You're like, uh-huh. And then you see them down the road about two miles and they're pulled over. You're like, yeah, that's right. You deserve it. <laughs> anybody else driving down the road and especially you get stuck in beach traffic and there's always those people that wait last minute to merge like they go as far as they can. Yeah, you know who they are because they're looking in your rearview mirror. And you go up too far, and you just want someone to let you in. Please, mer- please let me merge. You want grace for you, but then you're the same fool. It's like, no, you ain't merging here. You better back up. <laughs> we want a wave, and we give a finger. You're all tracking with me. <laughs> See, there's something in us. We recognize our need for grace, but we don't give grace. And Jesus says, hey, you need to mind your own business. Stop worrying about how they're driving. Stop worrying about how they're living. Stop worrying about what they took to the beach, didn't take to the beach. Did they put on enough? Did they not put on? Did they put the trash in the right bin? Did they not? He says, it's not any of your business. Mind your own business. But if you're going to get in other people's business, lead with grace because you and I need grace. Why worry? Watch this. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Really, you're going to worry about their kids? Your kids are out of control. You just don't know it because you stuck your head in the pillow and you think your kid's all that in a bag of chips. But what you don't know is he's out partying just like the kids you're judging are partying. You think you're, do you really think your kids are perfect? My kids are perfect as far as I know, but here's what I know is I don't know it all. Um, we're going to go back to what Jesus said. My stuff's getting me in trouble. And why worry about the speck? I notice he says your friends. Everybody say a friend. First of all, if they're not your friend or your association, you just, you just plainly need to leave that alone. If it's a friend, that invites you in to have a conversation. But he says, notice the contrast. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't, uh, when you can't get past the log 
in your own eye. I'm going to give you just a couple questions real quick that will help you and I both. And these are things I'd encourage you to write down and, and maybe process this week, help us to get past this place that we live as a people where we're always in other people's business. A couple questions. Number one, here's how you know whether you should get involved. Number one, am I directly connected to the situation? What I mean by that is, is do you have responsibility or authority in that situation? Is it your kids? Is it your money? Is it your house? Is it your church? Is it your ministry? If, it's, if you don't have authority, if you're not connected there, if it's not your family, if it's not your kids, if it's the neighbor's kids, if it's, if it's not yours, come on, say it with me. Mind your own business. Number two question, does the situation affect me? Does what I'm reading, what I'm seeing, does it really affect you? I don't mean does it, is it gaslighting you and getting you all emotionally stirred up. Does it really affect you? Newsflash. There are people that get paid big money to broadcast on television and internet and cable what's happening in politics and entertainers, and the whole goal is to get you stirred up emotionally. And some of you have convinced yourself that that's truth. It's not truth. It's entertainment. If they're not stirring you up, drawing you back, and ruining your day, they're not doing their job. And some of you are so engaged with what's happening in Hollywood or what's happening in the White House that you can't live your own life. You're so consumed with what they're doing instead of what you're doing. And Jesus says, mind your own business. I'm not saying those things never matter, but at the end of the day, what Jesus is pointing to is the bigger priority is your business, not their business. Does it really affect you? I don't, I, I'm just going to tell you, there are some things we, we live, uh, I'm not from Alabama, so I probably say this may be better than most who are here, but it happens last in Alabama. What well, happens next to last? happens last in Mississippi. <laughs> like there are clothing trends and entertainment trends, and there's all kinds of trends that happen on the East Coast and West Coast, and it takes time to filter down here. And I'm just going to tell you, when you're from here, you look at the East Coast and the West Coast, major cities, and it looks like they have lost their minds. Anybody with me? Come on, like, like what are they doing? I'm, what they're doing in California does not affect me. That's California. I'm in Alabama. Mind your own business. Number three, do I know the whole story? I, 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 know, I know you think she, he or she shouldn't ride the thing, and if they walk, they would maybe. You don't know if they got a bad knee, a bad hip, arthritis. You don't know if they have cancer, about to die. Who are you to judge them? Yeah, their kids look out of control. Yeah, because they got AD, ADD, ADHD. Kid didn't take the Ritalin like they said they would, and they're out of control. Yeah, they're out of control. What would you do? Yeah, they're overweight. It's not your business. You don't know the whole story. And it's so easy for us to lean into someone else's narrative, lean into someone else's story. And because we see a piece of it, we think we know, we know the whole, and we judge the whole thing. And I'm just telling you, anybody in this room, you can catch me at the wrong time, at the wrong minute, at the wrong moment, saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, and you would think I don't even love Jesus. And if you judge me based on a minute instead of a life, I can look like a... I ran through about 17 words. I can't use any of them. You can just fill in the blank. What I'm telling you is if you don't know the story of my life, I'm not a perfect person, but I, my, my, my goal in my heart is to, is to love Jesus is to live for, do I always love Jesus? Nope. Do I always live for Jesus? Nope. If you could get in my mind, you'd be embarrassed of the things I think. If you could hang out with me, you'd be ashamed of the things that sometimes come out of my mouth. But the totality of my life is bigger than my minutes. It's about the moment of loving and living for Jesus. Let's go. You don't know their whole story. Here's the big one. Did anyone ask for my input? 
Like, there's a clue right there. If nobody even, so what do you think? I'm glad you asked. Because <laughs> if you want to know, I, I mean, I, I can, we, can, we can talk a long time. But if nobody asks, here's one. Do I need to make this other people's business? So the challenge is things sometimes come our way or we get involved in someone else's business. But it's, it's the stuff that sometimes comes our way. I think as people who love Jesus, and, and, and I wrestle with this, and I'm sure some of you wrestle with we got to be the, the, the person, it stops here. And that's hard. Especially if you, know the, if you know the dirt on people. I know the juicy on everybody. Everybody. People come and say, Pastor, did you hear? I'm like, 14 times. I know what's happening with doctors and lawyers and businesses and properties and people. I know what's happening in marriages and homes and money. Somehow it all finds its way back to me. I don't know why everyone feels like it's their job to tell me everybody else's business. But my decision is it needs to stop with me. There's a story in the Old Testament, powerful story. I don't have a lot of time to get into. It's a story of Noah. You remember Noah? Noah's the one that God used to build the ark, and he didn't get on the ark alone. He got on the ark with his three sons, their wives. They get off the ark, and one of the first things he does is he starts, because God says there's always going to be seed time and harvest. The Bible says that he plants a vineyard. Obviously, time transitions because he plants the vineyard. The vineyard grows. He takes grape off. The grapes ferment, and he, he has wine. And I don't know, like, is what's happening, but he, he drinks enough that he gets drunk. His, his, his son, Ham, walks in on his dad. His dad is liquored up. I mean, he's got empty, empty beer cans around him. He's got some Taco Bell sauce on his chest. He's got a half-eaten taco in one hand. Like, it's a bad scene. But he's laying there naked, buck naked. There's a difference. <laughs> Ham walks in sees his dad, and you know what he does? Immediately runs out and feels like, that's my business. I'm going to go make it everybody else's bit. And he runs out and starts telling his brother, hey, you're not going to believe this. Dad, dad is toasted. He's laid out. And not only that, he's naked. And the two older brothers, Shem and Japheth, they go into where their dad is, and they want to cover his nakedness. And they don't walk in and cover him up, which is the honorable thing to do. The Bible says that they walk in backwards holding a blanket because they don't even want the mental image in their head of their dad. They want to make sure they see their dad as a person of honor. They want to make sure they see their dad for the person who is not the mistake he made. And so they walk in backwards and they cover him up. That is a picture of who you and I, who we are called to be as Christ followers. Our job should not be to expose people. Our job should be to cover people. Listen, we need to be one say, well, maybe they do, but you don't know what they're going through. Maybe they're going through a hard time. Hey, let's at least pray. If you're going to talk about them, let's pray for them. But we need to stop exposing people. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. I want the love of Jesus to cover the multitude of my sin. And if I want that cover, then we need to give the same covers to everybody else. Come on, everybody say, mind your own business. He goes on, he says this, if you are people who harshly judge other people, if you and I are people who get in other people's business, who are always involved in other people's affairs, this is what Jesus has to say about you. You are a, go on, you can say it, (sighs) hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Notice what he says. He says, first, get the log in your own eye, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Let me just say a couple things real quick. Notice what he says. He says, 
The, the challenge for us is we don't realize that we have our own issues. And Jesus contrasts your issues with their issues that you have a log and they have a speck. And I think he's talking about a couple things here. I think, number one, he's talking about perspective. Because if you have something big enough in front of you, you can't see anything else beyond it, right? I mean, just take your finger and close one, close one eye and just put your finger in front of it. You can't see hardly anything else. And Jesus is saying, first of all, you got to get your perspective right. You can't even see the world around you clearly because you're so hung up and so covered in your own mess. And it's not just about perspective. I think he's talking about proximity. Before I deal with stuff way over there in my neighbor's house and my neighbor's yard, I need to deal with stuff close to home. I need to get my own house in order. I need to get my own finances in order. I need, I need to get my own marriage in order. I need to get my own health in order. I need to get my own physical body in order. Before I'm worried about what everybody else is doing, thinking, acting, behaving, and living, I need to worry about me because that's me. And I'm not going to give an account for how you live, but I'm going to give an account of how I live. I'm not going to give an account of your tattoos and your money and your, your piercings and your kids. and your. I'm not going to give an account for anything. What I'm going to stand before Jesus and give an account is for my life. And so we get so consumed that we're worried about everything over there, your speck way over there, and not my log that's right here. But I want you to see this for you. He says, hypocrite, first, everybody say first, first, get rid of in the log in your own eyes and like deal with your own stuff first. And if you... If you get to the place where you're healthy financially, you can help other people with their finances. You get to the place where you've got a healthy marriage, you can help people with their marriage. You get to the place where you're a healthy parent, you can help other people be healthy parents. Not in a critical way, but in a gracious way. But I think at the end of the day, what is our business? You know what our business is? Our business is Jesus' business. Well, you know what Jesus' business was. He made it clear. He said, my business is my father's business. I'm here to do the will of my Father. I'm here to do the Father's business. So our business is the business of Jesus, and Jesus' business is the business of the Father. Well, I don't know if you ever read the Gospels. You should lean into them sometimes. Because if I was Jesus, I would have had a lot to say to Herod. I would have I traveled, and I would have said something to Caesar. I would have laid out all these people. You notice Jesus dealt very rarely with, he, in fact, never dealt with political figures. He stood before Herod himself, wouldn't even have a conversation with him. Do you know that? Jesus periodically spoke to religious leaders. Jesus primarily dealt with him and his. My, these are my disciples. These are my followers. And that's who he had conversed. Those are the people he rebuked. Those are the people he loved. Those are the people he encouraged. So I think some of us, if I'm honest, we don't have the energy to do the Father's business because we are so emotionally exhausted from living our life so caught up in what's happening in the world around us. And we don't have time to be empathetic towards people. Like, I'm so emotionally charged and mad at what's happening in Washington and mad at what's happening in Congress and mad at what happened. And we need to come back to the Father's business. I know, I, know you don't, I know you don't like maybe how they're doing things, but do they love Jesus? If they died right now, where would they spend eternity? Far greater importance than how they're raising their kids. Far greater importance of, of how their car looks is what direction are they going in life. And we're so consumed. And let the world be caught up in everybody else's. But as for me and my house, and as for us and our house, we're going to serve the Lord. Our business is the Father's business. So here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus ultimately, Jesus affirms that we each have something in our eye. You do have something in your eye. You do have 
some challenges, and so do I. But our focus should be, what's in my eye? Your focus should be, what's in your eye? So today, as we close, we have the privilege to take communion together. In communion, if you know Lawrenceburg, I want to encourage all of us, let's grab the elements together. If you need them in the front row, they're going to serve you. But communion is an opportunity for us to do two things. To remember what Jesus did for us and to examine where we need him to do it more. To remember what Jesus did, that ultimately God loved us enough that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross in our place for our sin so we could be forgiven and be made children of God. And as we live this life, come on, how many people are honest enough to say, we still fall short, we still miss the mark, we still mess up, we're still not there yet. How many people here still have their own issues? Wave at me. And so he says, listen, the goal and part of our journey isn't just to walk in grace that we're forgiven, but walk in the grace to overcome. So Paul says this, Paul says, let a man, let a woman, let them examine themselves before you take communion. God, what, what's, what is there that's in me? What's going on in my life that I need forgiveness for, that I need strength for? David said the same thing in the Old Testament. David said, Lord, help me to find if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, what's in me that I've, I'm so busy looking around that I forgot to look in? And so I want to invite us all to stand. And we're going to take a minute across this room. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to look on the inside. Heavenly Father, all of us are fully clothed. But before you, we are 100% naked. You know every thought, every deed, every action. And Lord, sometimes we're so busy, focused everywhere else, but in our own heart and our own home, that God, we overlook our own struggles. And Lord, I just ask right now, God, will you help each and every one of us individually? God, will you help us to evaluate ourselves? God, will you help, help us to examine ourselves? Come on, just ask him, Lord, show me. Show me my heart. Show me my attitude. Show me my actions. Lord, show me where I'm dropping the ball. Am I the father I need to be? Am I the mother I need to be? Am I the citizen I need to be? Am I the Christ follower I need to be? God, show me. Show me me. And Lord, as you show us our heart, God, surely we're humbled. And we recognize the greater need for grace. God, will you forgive us? Will you cover us? And Lord, help us, God, as you cover us. God, help us to be people who cover others. And we thank you for your great sacrifice. Your great sacrifice on the cross to be the one to cover us. As we take the wafer that represents Jesus' body broken, Lawrenceburg, Florence, come on, can we thank God together? Everyone online, will you just take a minute? Will you thank him for his covering? Will you thank him for his grace? Lord, today we're so humbled. God, we're so honored. We're so thankful that God, even Peter, who is broken, who abandoned you, God, you restored him. And Lord, you do the same for us. God, when we come in humility, God, when we come in repentance, and Lord, we lay it all down, Jesus, God, you always restore us. And God, today we thank you that it was your great sacrifice that made us sons and daughters. And Lord, we stand here today forgiven. God, we stand here today, God, 100% covered in the righteousness of Jesus. Lord, thank you for that. God, help us to remember and help us to examine. 
as we celebrate your body broken and your blood shed for us. In Jesus' name. Can we take the bread together? As we take the cup, which represents his blood shed for us. That's where the covering is at. Is we're covered in his blood. It's the covering. It's the thing the Father sees. He sees the Son's perfection over your life. Let's drink the cup together.